It's September 12, 2022. And this is the Watson Weekly, your essential e-commerce digest. Today on our show, Commerce Hub acquires Channel Advisor in combination of two rivals. Instacart running away from its former mission by acquiring software company Rosie. Church and Dwight to acquire Amazon native brand Hero Cosmetics. Target updates supply chain leadership and plans CEO succession. And finally, the Investor Minute, which contains five items this week from the world of venture capital, acquisitions, and IPOs. But first, in our shopping cart full of news, Commerce Hub acquires Channel Advisor in combination of two rivals. So what happened simply? Commerce Hub acquired public company Channel Advisor for $23 a share, which amounts to about $660 million. And I expect that after the acquisition closes, Channel Advisor will be a private company since Commerce Hub is private. In the e-commerce software space, there are pretenders and then those who are there at the beginning when it was all created. Two companies that came out of the early days of e-commerce were Commerce Hub, founded in 1997, and Channel Advisor, founded in 2001, each in different segments of the market. Commerce Hub really got its boost when it got a major investment from QVC in 2000 to facilitate a new virtual form of inventory management and fulfillment called dropshipping. Channel Advisor, on the other hand, had different roots. The founders of Channel Advisor set out to build software to help eBay power sellers as early as 1999 and pivoted into the market after successfully selling refurbished servers and computers on eBay for Sun Microsystems and IBM. For most of their history, they have been on parallel paths. Commerce Hub had a two-sided model where retailers would connect with brands and both sides would pay Commerce Hub based on the number of transactions on the platform. Channel Advisor, on the other hand, charged the brand a percentage of sales to connect to an online marketplace like eBay or Amazon. First, I know so many of the players at both companies. I spent 10 of the earliest years of my career at Channel Advisor, have so many fond memories, and had Commerce Hub as a consulting client a few years back. Great team also. What does Commerce Hub get and become with this acquisition? First, Commerce Hub gets a huge stable of marketplace integrations with Channel Advisor and large brand customers integrated with them, much more modern than its own Mercent acquisition, which was completed in 2015. Second, Commerce Hub gets a sizable international presence, something that Albany-based Commerce Hub never seemed to master. They don't call it Smallbany for nothing. Third, these companies also get to stop competing with each other. Channel Buzzer had built a nascent first-party dropship offering, and Commerce Hub continued to try and sell against Channel Advisor with relatively limited success. This can all stop. If you're a Channel Advisor customer or employee right now, probably you are understandably nervous. That's all normal, but I expect that Channel Advisor will continue to develop and grow post-acquisition. Commerce Hub needs Channel Advisor to grow in order to maximize its investment. On the other hand, most acquisitions fail, so there's that. Why does this happen now? The simple answer is that Channel Advisor is a profitable business but has been consistently challenged with its stock price due to its lack of tremendous growth over the years. The profitability of the company allowed it to take its time and essentially pick its acquirer. And in the grand scheme of things, this is one of the best tie-ups you can imagine. Overall, there have been near-constant rumors about Channel Advisor being up for sale in the past five years or so, looking for the right buyer and the right price. The 57% premium on the current share price for Channel Advisor by a strategic competitor was likely too high to pass up, especially in this market. Put another way, Channel Advisor was acquired for its peak pandemic price. 
Best wishes to both teams on the closing and post-integration merger discussions. I expect CEO David Spitz to take a long nap after the closing. Our second story. Instacart running away from its former mission by acquiring software company Rosie. Instacart acquired another company, an e-commerce platform for retailers called Rosie, and in doing so is desperately trying to shake its previous image as a grocery marketplace built on a marketplace for gig workers. Normally, when a company attempts an IPO, they do in what's called a quiet period, where they do what we all had to do in the past three years of the pandemic. Hunker down. Instacart is taking an unexpected approach, aggressive acquisitions. Well, we have enough data now that since taking over as CEO of Instacart, Fijisimo is taking the company in a direction where it can credibly call itself a service provider for retailers. This new acquisition, Rosie, is an e-commerce software platform designed for independent retailers which allows online ordering, catering, and meal prep, and a consumer advertising platform. I have to wonder if this acquisition means that the previous acquisition of software platform Unata was not working out, or this just a retail customer land grab. In case you missed it, just a week ago, Instacart acquired an AI-based price and promotions platform called Eversight. The company is trying to shed its former image because not only is the marketplace of gig workers not the most popular idea in this economy, Instacart has consistently known as no friend of the average retailer. And that's because at the end of the day, Instacart as a marketplace wants to own the relationship with the buyer. Time will tell here, but if they pull off this pivot, CEO Fijisimo will definitely be known for either killing the business faster or for relaunching the company in a new direction. Our third story. Church and Dwight to acquire Amazon native brand Hero Cosmetics. Seems like an acquisitive week, doesn't it, Watsonians? Hero Cosmetics was acquired by Church and Dwight, who is best known for the Arm & Hammer line of products. This news caught my attention for a few reasons. First and foremost, we have a growing, profitable Amazon native brand. In this market, it's almost akin to Bigfoot. Almost talked about, but rarely seen. Trailing 12 months, net sales were $115 million, but more importantly, the company reported a 40% EBITDA margin. Just to give you some idea how rare that is, you have to start talking about companies like Apple, 30%, and Microsoft, 45%, according to sources. For any kind of direct-to-consumer or marketplace brands, these numbers are somewhat unheard of. What's next for the brand? What Church & Dwight has that Hero does not have is retail relationships. Expect the brand to leverage those relationships in a big way. Meanwhile, if you want to look at a great model for how to run an Amazon business, Hero Cosmetics is not a bad one. Frankly, it looks to me like one of the big keys to their success is their bundling approach. And our last story, Target updates supply chain leadership and plans CEO succession. Last week, Target released significant leadership news regarding their CEO, Brian Cornell, and Chief Supply Chain Officer, Art Valdez. We talk a lot on this program about the value of having the right inventory in stock. That seemed to resonate with a lot of people, particularly when consumer preferences and aspirational shopping has been replaced by budget prioritization due to rising prices and increased economic uncertainty. Target fresh off a quarter where their net operating margin plummeted to 1% from its typical 8%, has gotten the memo more than anyone, and reflects in leadership too. The previous head of supply chain at Target was Art Valdez, former longtime Amazoner who has helped spearhead Target's omnichannel transformation. The traits that Art brought to the role include building new capabilities at scale in a way that fits Target's business model. 
But the future is different. Gretchen McCarthy, it's now the SVP of supply chain at Target. Her background, head of global inventory management and an 18-year Target veteran. I can't say I'm surprised with this decision and I like the direction. Much like Amazon moving on from Dave Clark, Target is following suit by replacing a builder with an optimizer. That's no slight either. It's not like Target won't continue to build, but an omnichannel playbook is already written for the company. It now just needs to be updated and improved. The bigger problem in this world now is inventory, in particular, how much inventory to have, when, and where. That is the core function of inventory management and one that Target will be thankful they prioritize going forward. It probably should be mentioned that Target also has the distinct advantage of the, one of the best COOs in the business and John Mulligan, who helped set the stage for Target's transformation even before Brian Cornell arrived. John is likely in the pole position for that job, having a catbird seat to Brian Cornell's entire tenure. The company has also made another announcement that CEO Brian Cornell will stay another three years, past the normal Target retirement age of 65. That's also good news for Target as Brian has been transformational for the firm. Leadership reflects focus and priorities, and those changes definitely speaks to Target's inventory future. It's that time, friends, for our Investor Minute. We have five items on the menu today. First, marketing measurement platform Northbeam raises $15 million in Series A funding. Northbeam is spending most of its time focused on the hard problem of marketing ROI. Adman John Wanamaker famously said that half of my advertising is wasted. I just don't know which half. And Northbeam seems intent on solving this problem. This seems like a worthy adventure for a startup in a digital market with dozens of channels that the average brand could invest their time and money in. Second, e-commerce accelerator Pattern acquires influencer marketing platform Current. This is a different kind of move for Pattern, whose model has traditionally been buying inventory from brands and helping them manage their entire marketplace business from end to end. The influencer market is an odd choice, particularly since it's a crowded space that even large platforms like Shopify are investing in but Pattern likely feels that this traffic can be applied to marketplaces as well. Third, last mile writing software Hypertrack raises $25 million. The company is focusing on the on-demand delivery market for difficult functions like order assignment, route density, and order visibility. These problems are important because route density is literally the key to last mile profitability. The only challenge with the model may be the fact that the large platforms will want their own software, but that's probably something the VCs view as one of those good problems, since Hypertrack may be an acquisition target. Fourth, MyPlanet secures investment funding to expand its composable commerce vision. Flexibility and separation of concerns in any major software application have been important since software development was invented. MyPlanet focuses its efforts on a corner of the e-commerce software market called composable commerce, which is a particular design pattern or software architecture approach that enables brands to select best-in-breed components for various parts of their stack. I've had the pleasure of working with a MyPlanet team recently on a headless commerce RFP for a major marketplace, and they have been a pleasure to work with. Congrats to Jason Cottrell and the entire MyPlanet team. And finally, Shopify participates in the Series A fundraising of a Web3 development toolkit called ThirdWeb. ThirdWeb's tools helps companies build what are so-called Web3 apps more easily. Web3 at this stage is essentially an idea that the world will be connected via smart contracts, decentralized finance, and independent actors. Carl me skeptical, but I'm calling it out here because Shopify is an investor. 
I jumped down the Web3 rabbit hole last year and sorry to say, I found 95% scams and grift. My take on this so far is that Shopify has much bigger fish to fry at the moment with its logistics investments. But this is an investment and not a Shopify product. So just hope Toby isn't thinking about this too hard. That's all for this week. Till next time, Watsonians. Hi, I'm Rick Watson, CEO and founder of RMW Commerce Consulting and host of the Watson Weekly Podcast, your essential e-commerce digest. Our production partner for the series is Citizen Racecar. The show is produced by Alex Brower, production manager, Gabriella Montaki. To hear new episodes of the show every Monday morning, subscribe now at rmwcommerce.com slash Watson Weekly and wherever you get your podcasts.